Hello, and welcome to Business Talk, presented by Business West and Living Local. Hi, I'm Chris Kellogg from the Kellogg Crew Morning Show on 94.7 WMAS, and here is your host for this episode of Business Talk. He's the editor and associate publisher of Business West. Here's George O'Brien. Okay, good morning, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Business Talk, a podcast presented by Business West in partnership with Living Local. Uh, we have a tremendous show for you today. I, I can't wait to get to it, but I will, uh, because first we need to hear this message from our sponsor, Munson Savings Bank. These are uncertain times, but Munson Savings Bank continues to grow and evolve, most recently by opening a new loan and operations center in Wilbraham and a new branch in East Longmeadow scheduled to open later this summer. At Munson Savings Bank, we believe in going above and beyond to create solutions for people, businesses, and our community. Okay, we are back. Uh, as I, I promised, uh, uh, an important, uh, enlightening, informative show we have with us, Dr. Robert Ruse. Uh, he is the chief medical officer for Mercy Hospital. Uh, and we had him on the show, obviously, to talk about uh, the changing world we're seeing out there, uh, Dr. Ruse. Uh, the headlines are, are getting uh, very scary. Uh, first of all, uh, happy holidays to you and to your family and, and to everyone else out there. I, I think uh, what I just did is kind of what's uh, happening in the world right now. Uh, COVID is kind of overshadowing our holidays and uh, intruding on them a little bit. And we want to talk about what we're seeing out the window right now and what we hope, or not what we hope, but what we might see uh, in the coming weeks and in the the coming months. So uh, let's start by just talking about what we're seeing. And and maybe in the course of the next couple of minutes, you can tell us uh, everything you know about Omicron, uh, maybe some things we don't know and should know. Well, well, thank you, George, and happy holidays to you and yours and to the listeners as well. Um, I know uh, this is a time of year where everybody's very eager uh, to get together and, and celebrate or just relax and, and recharge a bit. And I don't think there's a, you know, there's a, a group of people in this world or a community that, you know, deserve or are desiring that more than some of our healthcare workers. And I want to give a special holiday message to all of our frontline workers who have continue to, to be there for patients uh, throughout the last now two years, uh, if you can believe it, that we have been dealing with this pandemic. Unfortunately, the news isn't great. And I tend to get called uh, to talk about things in moments when, uh, you know, the news is concerning. And I can certainly appreciate that. You know, right now, with the Omicron variant, uh, I expect, as, as many infectious disease and public health experts do, that we are going to see fairly rapidly ri- fairly rapid rises in cases or increasing numbers of infections, particularly over the next four weeks. Uh, I hope I'm wrong, uh, but the evidence from countries around the world that have been seeing the Omicron variant uh, introduced in, into their general population have been seeing pretty significant rises in infections, a doubling even in many cases, and that has just continued to rise. And that concerns me uh, uh, greatly uh, because we are at a point uh, here in dealing with COVID where many of our resources um, have been stretched, they're strapped, uh, and hospitals and many other types of healthcare systems or places of care are at their limits, uh, are are literally close Mm -hmm. to or nearing their capacity on a daily basis. And additional infections that could lead to severe infections Uh, could create 
concern or do create concern and could create quite a, quite a situation amongst our hospitals here over the next couple of months. So uh, I'd be happy to talk a bit more about different aspects of that. But at the moment, you know, I just want to send that word of caution as I have before that we are, we are far from through this. Uh, COVID is going to be an endemic infection here uh, in the United States and across the world for some time. And we're at a moment, unfortunately, that seems like uh, it's going to begin to surge. Well, you mentioned headlines earlier, and, and some of the early headlines about Omicron were talking about how the symptoms are are not as severe, uh, and people don't uh, get uh, as sick as perhaps they do with some of these other variants, uh, some certainly Delta and what we've seen before. And I think in some cases that has led to a tendency not to take this particular strain very seriously. And what I'm hearing is that that that's not the approach to be taking with this. Uh, this is something to be taken very seriously. Yeah, and I think um, you know it would be it would be quite um, it could be quite a positive thing um, if we had a virus that was extremely mild uh, and did not impact people very severely, and therefore did not lead to hospitalizations or deaths. Uh, you know, I'll be perfectly frank from an infectious disease perspective. If we had a rapidly spreading virus that really was extremely mild, let's just say similar to a common cold in 100% of people, well, then it wouldn't be such a bad thing if it spread rapidly and people became and developed a high degree of immunity to that very quickly, because then you would be protected going forward. That I do think that some of the early evidence uh, out of some of the countries that have been dealing with Omicron does suggest that it may not be as severe as the Delta variant or the Alpha variant. But while that's true, it seems to be infecting people far quicker, uh, far more easily. And even those that have been vaccinated with an initial primary series, Mm -hmm. and that it is not universally a mild infection. So there are still people, and it's hard to know which ones and when, but there are still people that are developing severe infections and are ending up being hospitalized. Um, to the degree that that's the case, we really don't just, we don't yet know because it's only been a few weeks essentially since it, since it emerged and there's been a lot of scientific uh, data collection and now analysis regarding that. So, you know, a best case scenario would be that it's extremely mild uh, and it, while it travels quickly, it won't create significant infections and more of the population would be immune. But I certainly uh, here today can't say that that's the case for sure. And at this point with hospitals uh, nearing or being at capacity across the state and across the country, you know, any increases, um, even if it's only a, a couple percent of cases, any increases in the numbers of patients that need hospitalization, ICU admissions or ventilators uh, is of concern uh, because there may be points where we just don't have the capacity to continue to treat those patients in the same way. Mm-hmm. Let's get back to the, the plate of hospitals in a minute, but what are you seeing at Mercy right now? Are you, are you seeing any Omicron cases there? If so, what are the percentages of those compared to Delta and the other strains? It's a good question. And one of the, um, I don't want to say it's a shortfall, but one of the opportunities, uh, I think, for testing in the United States is to give that sort of information back to the providers in a real time or quick basis. But that's not the, that's not the reality. So when we test for patients for SARS-CoV-2 here at the hospital, as do other hospitals like Bay State or others, we don't do an analysis to understand which variant uh, it, it is present in those samples. The 
state lab is the only lab that does that. So they will get those samples and run to find out which variants are present. And then uh, they keep that as part of their public health database, but it's not readily available to the providers that are treating the patients uh, at this point. So I, so it's too early to tell. It's too, it's too hard to know. I think at this point, we're likely still seeing the majority of Delta cases. Uh, but I would say that um, over the past week and probably over the next four weeks, that will shift and Omicron will be the predominant strain that's causing infections in Massachusetts and around New England and the United States. Uh, and then we will see how that translates to hospitalization rates. Um, about eight to 10 days ago, we had a, a peak at Mercy where we had 30 hospitalized patients with COVID. And, and that was the highest number we had had since the second wave. Um, it's come down a little bit and we're staying around the low 20s over the last few days. Uh, but with the holidays approaching again, uh, you know, we all want to remain cautious about what that could look like uh, in just a couple of weeks if, if uh, infections continue to spread and, and severe cases continue to occur. Mm-hmm. And what is happening at Mercy in terms of its overall capacity and, and how its resources are being strained by the picture we're seeing at the moment? Yeah. You know, this is very different than the first wave where, um, you know, we were dealing with massive surges of COVID patients and figuring out how to deal with it. And, uh, you know, and at that time, a lot of other types of services were curtailed or uh, patients, you know, were really uh, staying home and not uh, going to the emergency department, for example. And so we were dealing with um, a different type of clinical scenario, but we had the usual and typical and, and frankly, you know, very uh, strong and, and passionate, energetic, compassionate staff um, readily uh, available for the most part. We were just extending resources because we were dealing with something new that was requiring a higher level of intensive care in, in a different way than we had typically been accustomed to. Now, what we've seen over the last uh, year and what you know economists are calling the great resignation has resulted in uh, a dramatic uh, change in our workforce where we have far less staff uh, than, we, than we did before, uh, which is what is really the pressing issue in terms of capacity. The overall volume that we're seeing now is not greater than what we were seeing before. For example, in a given day at Mercy Medical Center, we will have 100 or 120 patients. That's typical for us. Um, but the challenge now is that we, are, uh, we have far more vacancies uh, in critical uh, positions like nurses and patient care technicians than we've ever had uh, due to the impact on the labor market uh, and the impact the pandemic has had on people's lives. And so, you know, we have the same tremendous, you know, caring and compassionate staff that we've always had, but we, we like every other hospital, um, are, are competing for limited resources to take care of, take care of patients. And that has been a, a really a daily struggle. Um, it's one that we meet every day. We have never had to turn anyone away. We are, um, you know, continuing to provide all sorts of care from emergency department to surgical care to outpatient and inpatient care. So we want the community to know we are here for you and we, we will not and, and have, not, have not stopped any critical services. But it is something that if there were more surges, I know myself and all the other healthcare leaders in Western Massachusetts um, have expressed you know, our concerns. And, uh, and, and I think, you know, the community, you know, I think it's important for the community to understand kind of how this has uh, affected hospitals over the last two years. Okay. You're listening to Business Talk, a podcast presented by Business West in partnership with Living Local. 
I'm George O'Brien, the editor of Business West. We are talking with Dr. Robert Ruse. He's the chief medical officer at Mercy Hospital. We're, of course, talking about COVID and, and the different strains that uh, have come into the area and the, the changing landscape. I, I want to ask you about what's coming next and what we can expect. And I know how hard that is. I think if we did this podcast uh, two weeks ago uh, or, or certainly a month ago, uh, we probably couldn't imagine how much things had changed in the course of that month. Uh, but can you try to look ahead to 2020? I mean, this is the time when we do this. Uh, it's the end of a year, this beginning of a new year. It's also the time when we're going to mark the two-year anniversary of the arrival of COVID here. Uh, yeah. uh, we hear that phrase, COVID fatigue. Everyone's tired of this. Uh, but when, yeah. What can we expect in the next week and the next few months, according to your, yeah. your best outlook here? So I think, you know, from my perspective, from a pure, you know, public health and infectious disease perspective, I would expect that we're going to see rising rates of COVID over the next four weeks. Uh, we will see hospitalizations go up. Uh, that will be related to and in, in determined to the extent in which people gather unmasked. And if there's unvaccinated people and unboosted individuals, they will be more vulnerable. Uh, and so uh, I think that we will see rising rates over the next four weeks that could persist. But I don't think the news is all negative. Uh, I do think 2022 is going to bring many things that could fundamentally and significantly impact the course of this pandemic or what will be an endemic infection in the future, meaning that we will always see rates of COVID throughout our communities at a, at a relatively low level and hopefully a stable one. And those advances really are, I think we will see some oral outpatient therapies for COVID that will reduce the seriousness of this illness. Uh, and that would allow people who may uh, be at risk of getting more severely sick, the option to take therapies that could help prevent hospitalizations. That will be a, a game changer if that's effective and accessible to people um, were they to contract the illness. I think we'll continue to see uh, changes and advances in vaccines, uh, perhaps moving towards even younger groups that may not be quite ready right now based on some information today. But I think as we continue to advance vaccination efforts, uh, and continue to understand when the best time and the frequency of boosting is, that will be a, a positive that will occur in 2022. And I think, frankly, I, I'd like to see, and I don't know if we will, but a real push on behalf of the federal government and others to expand testing efforts so that essentially every individual would have access to rapid testing that they could do at home so that they could test themselves before they were to go out and gather with people or before, you know, they may be encountering others and or if they developed any sort of a symptom, particularly during the winter time, where we also deal with influenza and RSV and other respiratory viruses. So I think the near term, um, I'm, I'm concerned. I think the longer term in 2022 will, will bring some changes that will hopefully uh, create more of an endemic infection. And I think all of us in healthcare and around the communities are going to be dealing with the, the labor market uh, and workforce challenges, if not for years, uh, potentially a generation. And so we will continue to um, be working to uh, and see innovations in how we develop new teams to care for patients and, and new ways to deliver care. Uh, and that could bring a positive changes down the line as well. Mm -hmm. We could do two or three podcasts on the, the workforce situation, and we will. But, uh, you know, most of the people, and, and you, you mentioned it earlier, we'll be living with COVID for a long time. Uh, you know, one of the, the talking heads I saw on TV said, you know, your children will be living with COVID, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, they'll all be living with COVID. It, is there a, 
an, a time that, that you can point to or an, an estimation in your mind when we can uh, start to just live with COVID and not have it run our lives like it is right now, determining where we can go sometimes and when, uh, and, and if we can do certain things and whether we can gather and, and what numbers, when will COVID just be something we manage instead of it managing us? Yeah, that's a, that is a very difficult question to, to answer, George, as you might imagine. It really does depend upon how this virus, which continues to mutate uh, and the different types of strains that we see. You know, if, if indeed this Omicron variant becomes, becomes one that proves to be very infectious, but milder, and we get a, an outpatient therapy that can really reduce the risk of severe illness, and we bumped up vaccination rates that, that successfully would reduce the risk of severe illness, you know, it's not, it's not uh, something that's too far off into the, the distant future. I mean, that could be something that by next winter, we are just dealing with this like we deal with influenza or, or RSV, where we should take precautions, we should wash our hands, we shouldn't gather with people if they're sick, we should, you know, not be sick around the elderly or vulnerable, we should all get vaccinated, you know, but we wouldn't worry quite as much uh, about, uh, you know, massive surges of infections uh, that we still do right now with COVID. So, you know, there are some key factors, um, some, some which are more predictable, like how we'll develop therapies and some which are less predictable, such as how the virus will mutate. But if, uh, but if the stars align, so to speak, and we can keep pushing the things that work like vaccination, uh, mm -hmm. it's possible that by next winter, we will just be dealing with this in the way that we deal with other respiratory illnesses. I, I hope that would be the case. Well, if that was a hard question, uh, this one might be even harder, but I, I'd like to ask people in your profession, what, just what has it been like to uh, manage during COVID and, and, and deal with COVID? It, it's obviously been the biggest challenge of your career. I imagine nothing even comes close, but um in that severe test, uh, there's been challenges, but there's also been opportunities to learn, as you mentioned earlier, lots of uh, different things about how teams operate, how teams can operate better, how to better utilize resources, uh, all of these different things. Can, can you kind of put in perspective what it's been like to, to be, what's that old Chinese saying? It's, uh, may you live in interesting times. Uh, may you be chief medical officer in the middle of the largest uh, global yeah. pandemic in the history of mankind. What, what's it been yeah. like? Yeah, that's, uh, you know, George, and I've done a lot of thinking about this, as I'm sure many of us have, the ways in which this pandemic has affected our life. Um, there will be public health courses, I think, that will be taught for generations about leadership uh, amidst a pandemic. And, you know, there are many different lessons that come out of this for me. Uh, I think for me, first and foremost, this pandemic has not been about um, the technical aspects or the sort of uber clinical aspects of how do we deal with an emerging infectious disease. This has really driven home the point uh, that people, uh, the ones that deliver the care, uh, are the most important piece of our system. And this pandemic has fundamentally changed uh, people. Um, it has created uh, an exhaustion amongst those that have been dealing with the uncertainty, uh, with the frustration, uh, with you know, wearing PPE in ways you know, that they have 24 seven. And it has proven to be uh, the fact that you know, 
everything we do um, should be around supporting, I think, the most vital resource to how we deliver healthcare and how we can promote public health, which are, you know, the people that help uh, deliver that and help promote those messages. And what we're dealing with now in terms of workforce uh, and the impact across society um, is literally going to be a, the after, we're going to feel the after effects of this for years, if not generations. Uh, you know, people leaving healthcare who have a real mission to take care of people, to go to other fields of work has just been, uh, and seeing that as a leader has, has been a very interesting and telling uh, process and moment. So um, to me, that's the number one lesson. I think there's so many other things, you know, that we have to be adaptable and flexible. Um, we need, you know, the in innovation, uh, the ability to, to be responsive to things, to prioritize safety for patients above all else. I mean, there are so many lessons that, that are from this pandemic that translate into how we should lead uh, health systems and hospitals going forward that I've certainly ingrained, but above all, it's about taking care of and supporting and building resilience uh, and growing uh, from the trauma that has been this pandemic. Okay. Like I said, I, it, it has been a fascinating time, and I'm sure exhaustion is the word that um, yeah. that does come to mind. Uh, hopefully, uh, you'll get some rest sometime yeah. soon. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe not. The holidays are coming, but those numbers are surging. Uh, good luck to you yeah. in the future, and, thank and you. thank you for, for joining us today. It's my pleasure, I appreciate George. it. Okay. Thank you. Happy holidays. And happy holidays to you, too. And happy holidays to everyone out there. Uh, thank you for joining us, uh, and we'll be back soon with another episode of Business Talk, a podcast presented by Business West in partnership with Living Local. Thank you. <laughs>